Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. Once again, to the Bread and Circuses podcast, I am Rooster. I'm here with Crow. Hi, hi, hi. Every time, man. Every time, we gotta do something different. Um, so, how you been, man? Haven't seen you for a while. We didn't post uh, didn't post a podcast last week. I was out of town for a long time, and you were. What were you doing? Well, you were out of town, and we had a shitload of snow. So. Here in sunny southern Florida, right? Yes, yes. Between between the two things, we just could not get an episode uh, out. So uh, we'll make up for it today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was in Vegas for one of these conventions, and uh, two stories from there. What Was this the tentacle porn convention? Or? Absolutely, okay. yeah. The, um, the, Hent- uh, hentai? Well, no, it's tentacle porn and furries. And futinari? No, 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 no. I don't do okay. that's, that's late? Oh, I thought, okay, that's that later. Was, that's your thing. So... Yeah, it was the it was the furries slash tentacle porn convention. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was it, well at least they, it was in a back alley in Las Vegas. That's what they told me it was. Oh, so. All the best conventions are in back alleys. <laughs> yeah, although Fremont Street's pretty pretty weird. Um, so this guy I know, he, and we meet up at this convention where he's uh, it, there are a bunch of people there, and he says, um, uh, he says, "Yeah, I was just in the elevator, and this one guy gets on. There's like two huge dudes with him." Like, you look like bodyguard types, and I'm trying to figure out who this guy is. And he goes, then I notice he's got this huge clock around his neck. It was Flava Flav. <laughs> and he goes, Flava Flav's done some hard living. <laughs> I said, oh, that would have been cool to see. I said, did you give him a yep we?" He's like, I was worried the two big guys were going to beat me up if I did. What's funny about that is the guy wouldn't even need the bodyguards if he didn't put the clock around his neck. Nobody would know who the fuck he was. That's what he said. He goes, I wouldn't have known who he was. He goes, he looked like he was 100 years old. Oh. Yeah, just not good. Well, I mean, he's got to be. He's got to be well into his 50s. Probably. Yeah, you know 60s. what? He always had that kind of decrepit vibe to him. Like he was. Yeah. Like he wasn't quite uh, healthy, hale and hearty. Yeah. Well, the other one is just, it's brief. It's not really a great story. It was just an interesting observation. You know, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, mm-hmm. he spoke at one of the conventions I was at. That guy is a hell of a speaker, and he's got a, he's got an empty jar of fucks because he doesn't give any. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was talking about um, with all of his money, he set up this uh, trust for his kids and their kids and their kids' kids sort of thing that pays for everything for that kid up until the age of 18. And then, uh, yeah, he'll pay for college if they go to college. But after that, they get nothing. Nothing. And his point was, his mom told him when he was growing up, the dead bird under the nest never learned to fly. And so he had a big question and answer period afterwards. And somebody says, uh, well, what's your business advice? And he goes, the dead bird under the nest never learned to fly. So basically it was, you know, don't work for... Don't work for somebody else. Get your shit together. Do your own thing. Yeah. Motivate yourself. Uh, be persistent. Uh, don't let anybody else. Don't ride somebody else's coattails. All that yeah. kind of stuff. He, yeah. was a, he was a great speaker. He was really, really good. Yeah. So um, I got to tell you this other thing. I know we talked about this a little and I thought it was pretty funny. I've You know this ASMR stuff? I've never heard about this. What does that stand for? I have. No, it's like audio sensory something. something. Yeah. it's uh, People have YouTube channels where they do like sounds and people people listen some people pay like there's patreon set up or they pay to have somebody do these um like women will sit there and um they'll they'll brush their hair or they'll whisper or they'll or they'll just chew chew gum or into, the, paper into the microphone non like for an hour and it's just and, and people like people will pay to hear it yeah. And I don't, I don't think, I don't necessarily think it's sexual either. I think uh, some of it is. Some yeah, of it, it gets it, really it gets, weird. It gets there, but there's there are there are parts of it that aren't that are just like. Uh, didn't you tell me at one point that it, it like will help you sleep if you hear somebody whisper? Well, that's the funny thing. Like, um, that, so there. I mean, seriously, if you go into 
If you go into uh, YouTube and type in ASMR, you'll see some weird shit. Um, but like some of it is even just people with like a microphone. Yeah, make sure it's ASMR that you're typing in. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where you're going with that, but I just don't want to know. I was gonna actually say something that I, I'm glad I edited myself before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Automated teller machines. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that's, that's a better way to put it than I was going to. Yeah, I don't think you get down to YouTube. That's more like a. A Pornhub thing. That's okay. your that's your tentacle porn sites, mm. you know. Um, but so some of it's like even just. I think on YouTube there's like a video aspect to it. I don't think it's just just the sound thing. There's like women who will put like uh, the furry sleeves on a microphone and just sit there and rub it with their hands. And there's weird stuff. But there's this one. There's this one woman. I think she's Russian. She's got a channel where she just kind of talks in like a really soft whisper. I gotta, I gotta say, man, it just puts me to sleep. I woke up the other night, 4.30 in the morning, couldn't sleep. I had a bunch of stuff from work on my mind. I'm like, damn, if I'm going to lay here for another two, two, two and a half hours, not able to sleep. So I just plugged in my headphones and uh, Bose headphones, by the way. There he goes, plug, plug for Bose. Uh, put those in and turn it on. And it's, just, I was out in 15 minutes. Really? Yeah. And normally when I wake up in the middle of the night, my... I can't go back to sleep. I can't. Because if I put on headphones and put my computer on when I woke up, I'd just go to Pornhub and I'd be out in two minutes. <laughs> what would you do with the other minute and a half? <laughs> <laughs> but so I I was listening to some of this and I said, you know, it reminded me of something. I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I realized it's very Bob Ross-like. The painter guy, you know, with the happy little trees. Oh. Yeah. I, I remember... When my oldest was born, and I'd be sitting there on a Sunday morning, you know, because he got up early and I'd give him a bottle and I'm sitting in this chair, I'd turn on Bob Ross and he'd go right back to sleep. <laughs> you know, he's passed out, I'm passed out. Yeah, it's it's really, I don't know, for, you listened to some of it and you thought it sounded creepy. Yeah, it was, uh, if it's the, yeah, the, girl, the Russian girl that whispers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, okay. That's that, that. What's creepy is that you 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 can barely hear her vocalize, but you do hear this noise, and that drives me crazy. See, I'm not, and not in a good way. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I the whispering stuff. I just man, it just puts me right to sleep. I'd rather hear just a woman with a soft voice speak as opposed to just whispering. Well, she's got she's got a lot of stuff like that. I'm not sure that clip you played is like the best one of hers. Yeah. There's a. Speaking of Bob Ross, there's a, a DC comic book artist named uh, Ethan Van Skyver, very top tier artist. Um, he started doing. Is he the one who did like Rainbow Brute and. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's got a really good sense of humor. It's like it's very subtle and kind of kind of dry, but he uh, he he's known people know call him like the new Bob Ross because he does YouTube videos now where he does you know. Um, little things where he draws, you know, you can draw Batman and draws Batman. And then he'll kind of like talk about things, just random things while he's drawing, but he does it in a very, uh, Bob Ross way. And, uh, it's, it's pretty funny. I actually, it's, it's very, uh, very chill. It's very cool. Well, I only, I only listened to it. I'd heard you talk about him for a long time. Cause all that stuff that's going on with comic skate and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. With Marvel yeah. comics mm-hmm. and everything. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's a Republican and, uh, boy, he's got the, uh, oh, he's got the the SGW crowds uh, after him. Didn't he get kicked off of Twitter? He didn't. No, he he, he quit. quit. He quit, quit it just because it was just relentless. These bastards. So well, they gang up on you. Yeah, and he and he would he would shit post too. I mean, he wasn't he he do trolling too, but his trolling was kind of in good fun and it was funny. They were just relentless bastards, not trying to be funny, not not trying to be clever, just calling him. Oh, you're a you're a you're a Hitler. You're a racist. We hate you. Fucking die. That kind of you know. It's not clever it's just a relentless assholery well was his sketchbook thing that you were telling me about was that uh yeah was that trolling or was that no well it kind of is but he he um artists um comic book artists are known when they go at, at conventions they they have these sketchbooks and they'll i think they'll sell them or they'll sell pages out of them i'm not exactly sure how it works but they 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 have a theme usually and one of his was um on the cover, he he drew Sinestro, who is a bad guy from Green Lantern comics, and he's basically Space Hitler. 
And because uh, it kind of looks like him. Yeah, they made him look that way with a kind of weird little mustache and everything, and he's just an evil guy. So he put Sinestro on the cover of his sketchbook, and he named his sketchbook "My Struggle," which is in German would be "Mein Kampf," which is was a book that Hitler wrote. Wait, there Hitler wrote a book? Yeah. So it was a joke. It was tongue in cheek. It was a joke. He also did another sketchbook at one point that was like had um, communist themes, and it and it, it it was like kind of a making fun of a propaganda poster for communist prop. So it's just it's just tongue in cheek, or it's like satire, or whatever. But um, these SJWs, they're not relentless. Oh, did you know Ethan Van Skyver's a racist Hitler? And they're not being like not just a Hitler. He's a racist. A race, Hitler. a literally. He's racist literally Hitler. a racist Hitler. Did and you know Hitler was literally Hitler? <laughs> so he's been putting up with that kind of shit. Um, and uh, finally, uh, he just he just got off Twitter because it's just it's it's a lot to deal with. And he's you know what do you get out of it? You know. So he does YouTube videos and and has Patreon. People donate money to him, and so that's the best way to do it right now. What's his um? What's his channel again? Because. I hadn't seen it until you showed it to it's me. It's called Comic Book Artist Pro <laughs> Secrets. But he did. What did he draw? Rainbow Bright was Rainbow Bruce. Yeah, he did. He's he did. And a My Little Pony was My Thick Stallion or something uh, like that. Uh, my Girthy Stallion. <laughs> but he. It was funny because he he does these kind of things. It's like an anti-feminist thing, but it's 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 tongue in cheek. It's funny. He goes, you know, I, I kind of think that uh, um, there's too much female representation in, in toys. And comics, and, and I think the boys need more representation. So I'm going to take these these female characters, and I'm going to turn them into characters that boys can relate to, because we need more of that. You know, he's just being funny. So he took Rainbow Bright, and he made Rainbow Brute. Um, he took um, um, Harley Quinn, and made Charlie Quinn. And um, uh, there's a couple other ones, but the but the My Little Pony was a whole separate video where he met My Girthy Stallion, and that was very funny. I thought it was funny because you and I were watching that with a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Van Skyver saying, "Yeah, there's just not there's not enough uh, male representation in um, in uh, you know these toys." And our buddy's like, "He's never heard of bronies." <laughs> You're like, "Just let it go for a minute." He goes, and he was all uh, not outraged, but he was like, "Are you kidding me? It's like a whole movement of <laughs> men who like My Little Pony." And he's st- we're like, Shh, "Just yeah. give it a minute." And guy, then the guy gets it. He's, yeah, he gets it's it. It's a bit. <laughs> he's being all ironical. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I I thought that was hilarious. I mean, you talked to him for a long about him for a long time, and yeah, he's he's a, he seems like a pretty good guy. So. Yeah, but yeah, he I mean he because he has that that uh, Sinestro sketchbook. Everybody's like, oh, we got to get him it's, fired. It's and, not just that; it's he's an open Republican, right? So so and there's not hard, there's hardly any of those in the comic book industry. Anybody who's conservative in the comic book industry, Marvel especially. Um, they just keep to themselves, the conservatives and liberals basically are, are out and proud and, uh, they have their little cliques and they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll ostracize, they'll deplatform, they'll do whatever they can to, to drive the uh, conservatives out. Um, so, and there's a couple of them that have been, been drummed out. Basically there's John Malin is, was one of them. He was, um, and, you know, uh, a right, right, uh, leaning, uh, not right, right wing, basically, uh, artist. And he was good. Um, but he was vocal, and he went on a couple of Twitter tirades about how, you know, the SJWs are ruining comics, and basically, that was the end of him. Well, who was the guy, um, he invented Minecraft, sold it, he's like a... So yeah, he, I don't... He's a Scandinavian I don't guy. remember his name, yeah. I don't remember his name either. Um, I don't know that I ever even really knew it. But he posted on Twitter a few months back, all he did was say, it's okay to be white. And they blew up on him it was like everybody was just going crazy now he's a multi-millionaire because he sold minecraft yeah. and he just doesn't give a shit but um I, I just thought that was the problem with those sayings or those memes as they call them like it's okay to be white is that i they the hardcore leftists sjws whatever you want to call them um they don't there's there's guilt by association is 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 their their um, go-to so if there's some sort of alt-right, um, you know, white nationalist that used that phrase or, or, or put out that meme at one point or put that poster up at a rally that says it's okay to be white or wore a t-shirt that said it and this person's known to be an, um, a white nationalist, then if anybody else 
has those sentiment, sentiments or anybody else says that, then they are associating directly with that person and they must be the exact same as that person. That's that's how SJWs treat that. So, you know, any kind of being funny or meme or any anything like that, um, um, if if you're if you're associated with the um, alt right with that, then you are literally Hitler. See, I think it's even worse. <clears throat> I think it's it's guilt by disassociation. There's getting to be this on the left, and there's some on the right, but mostly it's on the left with the SJW crowd. This screaming, raging tirade of you have this core set of beliefs, and if you deviate from it at all, you're a terrible person. And so it's either you are associated with us or you're not. And if they see you as being outside their group, they just, they burn you down. And I, I just think that's stupid. You know, um, I think I mentioned this before. I'm, I'm reading um, Rise and Fall of the, of the Third Reich. It's an incredibly good book. And it, it, a friend of mine who's a university professor said it's like one of the greatest pieces of history just ever written because it's, I can't remember the author's name, but he goes through all of this, it's, a, it's an amazing book. But the front of it has a swastika on it. And going on this on this uh, convention trip, I go to take it on the plane, and my wife says, are you going to take that on the plane? And I thought, yeah, why, why shouldn't I? And then you think about it, and you go, well, because it's got a swastika on it, and somebody's going to bitch about it. And I thought, that's really where we are, isn't it? That you just, you can't even... I could have that book on a plane, a plane of 200 people, and I'll bet you 50 people would be offended on that plane if they saw that book without even knowing what the title is. You could say it's a history book, and they'd go, it's Nazi propaganda, which is exactly the opposite of what it is. But they just see the thing, and they just see red. Yeah. It, it's stupid. I mean, that's where we are. And, uh, you know, it sort of leads me into this thing. I, was, I saw, I know I mentioned John Height before. Jonathan Height, he's a... Uh, psychiatrist or psych, psychologist, I had it written down, I, I don't have it here, from at NYU, professor. Um, and he was talking to Sam Harris um, on a YouTube video. And Sam Harris has been ostracized by the left because he he calls himself a liberal. He, yeah, he's he a, fits all of their tenets and everything, yeah. except he doesn't like Islam. Yeah. He has a real problem with Islam. And so he got in that big thing on, on uh, Bill Maher's show with Ben Affleck, and he's been... He's seen as, like, by some of the left as an all-right representative. That's just absolutely stupid. Yeah. But he's talking with Jonathan Haidt about the, um, the culture on college campuses now. And he said, Haidt was saying about, he had a class, psychology class, behavioral psychology, where he's showing a video. He is a, he is a liberal, says it himself. Um, he's in support of gay rights and all this. He shows this video that was a pro according to him, a pro-homosexual video in his behavioral psychology class. But they're like interviewing people about, in the film, about what they think of it. And there was a guy who said, yeah, I don't know, I just, I think it's kind of disgusting. Just like, I wouldn't, I look at my sister and I wouldn't want to sleep with her, it just, it's disgusting to me. He didn't say, it's wrong, no one should do it. He was just commenting on a question that had been asked of him. A woman in the class shut the whole class down. Over the word disgusting. She called Jonathan Haidt a homophobe. And I think she he said he called her alt-right or something like that. So she shut his entire class down demanding an apology. And he said, so eventually I just apologized in class and I let it go because I need to get on with my class. She took him to the ethics committee at NYU. They had a whole investigation. He goes, it sucks up a month of my life. Well, that's what a lot of people have learned in the, in the last year or two that you never apologize to them because it's never good enough. And, and it's basically opens the door for even more, um, bullshit and vitriol from them. Well, the apology is never enough. It, it isn't. And it, and it makes them feel justified in what they're doing. They're like, Oh, you admit it now. Now I'm really going to come after you. So that, that's the number one advice everybody gives now when it, when you get a, uh, uh, an SJW, uh, outrage, outrage mob against you. That either on Twitter, social media, or you know, in person, like at a at an event, if somebody wants um, an apology and they're part of that SJW outrage crowd, you never give them an apology because it doesn't. It's not what they want. I mean, it's what they want in order to ramp it up even more. It doesn't, you know. So even if you're sincere, you know, 
Um, it doesn't matter. Don't do it. Don't. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go well for you. So don't apologize. The only person you should apologize to is someone you respect. So if you if you wronged somebody you respect, then apologize for it. If you think you if you legitimately, but don't don't apologize to the outrage crowd. It's not going to get you anywhere. Well, and I think you know as far as apologizing goes, um, you should only apologize when you feel like you've said something wrong. Yeah, I mean everybody's done it where they said, yeah, I, I took that a bit over the line here. You know, let me let me tell you, I didn't I didn't mean that. I'm very sorry. Can we you know? We have a friend who has that superpower. He can take everything one step too far. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> he does. We're like, hey, there's your superpower again. He's like, yeah, I did it. Um, but the the part that I, you know, when it comes to an apology, I posted something on Facebook a couple years ago and um, in response to a topic someone had put out there for discussion. And I said something. I don't even remember what it was at this point. And someone else came back and said, I find that offensive. You have to apologize. And I said, no, I don't. I said, yeah, you have to apologize. I'm offended. I said, first of all, I didn't. I don't care if you're offended. I didn't say something intending to offend you, so I'm not going to apologize. You know? It's like if someone, if you say to someone, hey, you're overweight, you need to lose some weight, and they say, oh, I'm offended, you need to apologize, I'd say, no, I don't. Because now if I get up in front of a public group of people and say, that person over there is a big fat cow. And start dancing. I would apologize for how that came about. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, just stating your opinion, the fact that it bothers someone, I hate that people think they're entitled to an apology. Well, even when I've been going after someone, let's say, on on social media. You and, don't do that, though. Oh, I don't? No, you don't do that. Uh, when I've gone after somebody and I, my, I intentionally, like, want to hurt their feelings because... I, I'm just thinking of a couple examples that I've yeah. seen and they were classic. But... Uh, and, and I realized after I said it, you know, boy, that came off a lot meaner and harsher than I kind of thought when I did it. And then I think, you know, should I apologize for that? And I never do. I'll say, you know, I'll probably do like a half ass, like, yeah, that, that probably was a bit much, but I'm not going to say I'm sorry for it. <laughs> well, it's because you have a dark soul. Well, yeah, but, uh, it, it, it's insulation is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Keeps you warm in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have a, no, I have a, like a candy... A, a soft and candy coated soul, but it, it's insulated by hate. Now you're getting weird. <laughs> I don't know if it's soft and candy coated, but I, I think it's funny that people think they're entitled to an apology. And this whole this Laura Ingram David Hogg thing. Yeah, it is Hogg, isn't it, or is it Hogg? Uh, let's explain that. Well, everybody knows. So he, well, just for the sake of anybody who's been living under a rock, he posts on Twitter. You know, oh, there's these four colleges I didn't get accepted to. And she goes, oh, poor David Hogg whines about not getting accepted to these colleges. And he comes back at her and is like, oh, how can you, you know, make fun of children or whatever. And yeah. uh, moves to get her sponsors. Yeah, then he posted away. a list of her sponsors and said to his followers, who he's are substantial at this point on yeah. Twitter, um, pick one of these sponsors, call them up, tell them what she did. Get, uh, get them to get them to stop sponsoring her. You know you've gone over the top, and you can get Bill Maher to defend you. Yeah. Bill Maher hates Laura Ingram. Well, at least he says she, he, he hates her. He calls her like a disgusting human being. Or yeah, did you? Human being. Did you? She's a conservative talk show host. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Ingram Angle on Fox, and I mean she's she's over the top a little bit, but I mean she's a media personality, so she's playing to a crowd. And she's, she's bright. She's smart. She's smart. You can't. I mean, you can't falter that, but uh, or you can't take that away from her. But he was going after her, and Bill Maher said, can we, can we stop with the going after people's sponsors? He said, I've been boycotted. It's ridiculous. And his whole panel that he had that night was like, no, that's free speech. And he goes, is it really? Isn't your free speech saying, I think she sucks, but posting a whole list and trying to get an army of people to, bo- to boycott her? Well, you know what the other argument is, 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 yeah, you have freedom of speech, but you don't have freedom to uh, not um – experience the consequences of that speech so that's their saying so they think it's 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 okay to dox which is to put out all your personal personal information or who you who you work for so that the hate mob of the outrage mob can contact your business and your business is going i just got a hundred calls from people and they're saying that you're an alt-right nazi i i gotta get rid of you and that's that and that's the kind of shit that's going on right now and it's totally immoral and ethical wrong and, and just it's just it's just bad. It's just um, and it's happening a lot lately. It's kind of the big thing now. Um, well, you can't if you can't argue your point, um, and you you can't 
back what you have to say and you can't persuade people that you're right and the other person is wrong, um, the go-to is to deplatform, which is to make sure that they don't, they aren't able to get their, their, their voices heard. So you'll hear about, um, speakers getting invited to colleges and what these, um, SJWs do is they'll do whatever they can to shut it down by contacting the, the college or even the private business that's hosting it. a lot of times they're not even students there. Yep. And the, so they'll, they'll pressure the private business that's hosting them or the college to say, Hey, you know, this is going to cause all kinds of problems. You just know that these guys are racist, this, that, and the other. And if that doesn't work, they'll imply that there'll be violence or they'll say, Hey, you know, there'll be violence. You, you don't want that in your place. So they're going to, they shut it down and it's deplatforming. Or if the, if the talk happens, let's say the, the business or the college is resolute, they're going, no, we're going to let them have their, their speech. Um, then these people will show up. And they'll have air horns, they'll have drums, they'll megaphones, and they will literally shout and, and shout the person down, not let the person speak. They'll pull fire alarms. Yeah. Um, so it's it's they'll it's, physically intimidate. Yeah, it's intimidation, and it's it's a real shitty thing, and it it it, it enrages me. Which is a tactic where that got used in Central Europe in the in the thirties, I think. <laughs> and there was a group that did that. I can't remember what they were called. And that was exactly the tactic they used. Yeah, it was literally something. I just yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, yeah. It, but it, it's it's what's going on, and and if, you, if people don't see it, what's happening, they're not paying attention because on the college campuses, campuses, it's happening. Um, on social media, it's happening. Social media is um, pe- uh, people with any kind of right of center viewpoints are getting shut down left and right, and if they're smaller presences, they there's just kind of like quietly just getting shut down and banned without without fanfare. Um, if they're bigger, then they'll do stuff like David Hogg did to Lord Ingram. They'll try to do the uh, um, the shaming and the and the getting sponsors to pull away from him. Well, it just disgusts me that he does the... He says the stuff he says. I mean, he's his rhetoric is pretty vile. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really is. And he'll jump out there and he'll say, you know, uh, I, I don't know if this was him who said it at, the, at that town hall meeting after the Parkland shooting, but he said... Somebody said looking at uh, Marco Rubio was like yeah that was literally like staring. It was the other it was the other kid yeah yeah it was like staring down the barrel of the of the of a rifle. I saw an interview with David Hogg. I don't know who did it, but he was talking about frustrated that the older generation like parents don't know how to like DM or something like that. Um, You know, direct message on a phone. He goes, you have to take their phone and fucking show them how to do it. and he says, uh, so you're like, there. I did it in a minute. You were fucking around with it all the time. He says, democracy is the same way. They don't know how to fucking use it. So we got to fucking teach them. And I'm thinking, who lets their kid talk like that? And, and, and if my kid was 17 and spoke to me like that, you know, that wouldn't go well. Yeah, what an arrogant, entitled prick. I know. And, uh, and as any parent knows, anybody who's been a teenager knows, you think you fucking know it all when you're a teenager, but you don't. And his parents... To allow that and go, look, look, you can't do this. You can't say this kind of things. This, there's a record of this, and you're going to look back on this. And you're, well, maybe not. Maybe they're just like, you know, hey, they're they're his cheering squad. Who knows? I don't well, know. I'm not. I'm not saying you haul your kid out of the room and beat him or something like no, that. No, but I'm just saying that, you know, you let them know that you don't speak to grownups that way. You don't. And I realize he's three months away from being 18. Oh, so he's already 18 now, so we well, can yeah. talk all kinds so of shit is, about him. He is a grown-up and everything. But what disgusts me is he says stuff like that, and then he says, no, we're about love and peace and acceptance and all this. As long as you're, it's that, you know, uh, guilt by disassociation. If you're not with him, you're against him, and he'll do whatever he can. But Bill Maher's point was, you step into this arena, you choose a weapon, and you use it. And then you want to fall back on the, I'm just a kid. You're going to pick on the kid thing. Um, and I, that just disgusts me. And I can't, I can't understand how a lot of the people who agree with him don't have some integrity and look and say, yeah, that's not cool. I mean, if you're going to stand up to the line and start throwing rocks, you got to expect you're going to get hit. Yeah. You may be on my side, but you're not doing me any favor. So shut up. I mean, that's, I've had that on people on my side where you go, dude. Well, it's precisely the reason I can't stand Sean Hannity. I can't take that guy anymore. Uh, I, 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 I do like the guy. There's, there's. I don't like his style of interview. I don't like his um, when he has a, an opposition interview. When he's interviewing somebody he doesn't agree with, he's he's really not good at that. He's he's a. Uh, I mean, I hate to use the word bully, but it's kind of a bullying kind of tactic that he uses where he doesn't let them finish, and he kind of just 
it, it's hard to listen to it. And I don't listen to it and I don't like it. But the other stuff where he's kind of like a dog with a bone where he just kind of like reiterates, okay, here's what they're doing. Here's what they're doing wrong. Where he's not interviewing people. He's good at that. But I don't want, I, I certainly don't don't uh, like him when he interviews, when he, when he um, badgers and, and, and goes against somebody. Um, I disagree. I just think he's a dick. I mean, he's just. <laughs> no, he's, everybody that knows him says he's a, he's a really I think nice he's, guy. I think he's probably a good guy. Yeah. I just don't, I don't like the way he does what he does. It's like, you know, Alex Jones. I, I don't know what Alex Jones is like as a person, but his show is stupid. That's cuckoo. <laughs> it is. And I mean, maybe he's playing a character. I don't know. You know, I'm, to some degree, I think you're doing that when you're in that kind of position. But but just this idea that, you know, you you can't disagree anymore. No one can disagree. And it makes me feel bad for people on the left, the younger people on the left, and to some degree, some of the older ones that you don't feel like your argument can just withstand, you know, the slings and arrows of the other side. You know, you have to immediately go to name calling and shutting people down. I mean, if you have, if you state your opinion and then someone states their opinion and then you turn around and face the crowd and say, Hey, did you hear what this guy said? Let's all get it. You're a really miserable human being. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of, um, miserable human beings, well, <laughs> an outrage culture. You want to talk a little bit about that, uh, the Starbucks fiasco? Yes, because it's, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, so kind of transition into that. So the, the deal was, and the facts have come out now, there were two black gentlemen who went into a Starbucks and said, um, you know, they sat down and they made it sound like they being the people who are outraged over this and the person who videoed it on their phone said they were just sitting here. They weren't doing anything wrong. Well, apparently what they did was said, can we use the bathroom? And Starbucks said no, because Starbucks has a policy that says you can't use the restroom unless you're paying for yeah, something. Yeah, I've been to Starbucks where I walked in and I had to use the bathroom. I was going to get a coffee, but I had to use the bathroom. And I go uh, I go to the door and it's got a push button code on it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. So you go to there and go, oh, uh, can I get your bathroom? They're like, well, you know, and they told, they told me. You know, I said, well, I'm going to get a coffee. I just need to go to the bathroom first. I'm like digging in my pockets looking for a I mean, but I don't make a big deal out of it because I understand it. Yeah. So. But it... I will 100% agree that if they went in there and they just sat down and the manager came over and said, you have to go, and they didn't go, I can see why the cops got called. I, I think that's an overreaction. But if they said, can we use the restroom, and they said no, and they made any sort of stink about it, I don't know if they did or not. But if they did, I can see what happened. Now, do I think it was an overreaction on the manager's part to call the police? Yeah. But I also think if the police show up, the police aren't showing up going, okay, who do we get to arrest? They probably said, hey, are, are you going to buy something or are you going to move along? I don't think the cops were saying, I don't think they want to make an arrest in that case. I think they just want to say, look, management says you got to go. And did they at that point just say, no, we're not leaving. We're waiting for somebody. Too bad. Yeah, that, that right there shows you got a chip on your shoulder or that you've got, you've got an attitude that's probably palpable to everybody around you. So, so you're sitting there, they're, they're kind of looking for trouble at that point. Well, there were, at least from what I saw in the video, there were about four cops. I don't think four cops show up for something like this unless there's been some sort of issue. Uh, and I, the facts are still coming out on this. But my point is, I don't think it was like it was positioned that two black gentlemen just came in and sat down, were minding their own business, not doing anything. I'm not saying they were disruptive and, you know, causing a scene, but... They wanted to do something that was against Starbucks policy, and when they got called on it, they they wouldn't leave. Yeah, they raised a stink. Yeah, and even if it isn't a huge stink, it's it's disruptive to business. I, I've been uh, in a I've run a business before where I've had situations just like that, and I've had that situation with every race, not not just black with with Native American, with Asian, with uh, Somalian, with white, every race. Where they've come into my business because it's a um, kind of semi-public business. They they came in and you're supposed to be using our product to be there, you know, or services to be there, and they're not. And as soon as you let that go, the word spreads. Well, this business allows you just to hang out here. Next thing you know, it's two, four, six, you know, a dozen people hanging out. Next thing you know, they're they're drinking or they're you know 
causing a disruption, you know? So you have to kind of get at it right away. You can't just let people hang out, you know? You, you, you give them a few minutes ago, are they going to start, you know, using the product or the, the business or are they going to move on? I mean, what's going on here? Um, and you go up to them and say, hey, are you, are you planning on, you planning on, you know, starting these machines or buying this product? And they go, yeah, yeah, leave me alone. You know, I love that. And, and then you go, okay, well, here's the thing. I'm not, I didn't come up at you with an attitude. I'll ask anybody this question. It's not because of your race. It's because of the fact that you, I have a business to run here and if you're not participating in that transaction, transactional deal, then you got to go because I can't, I'm not going to keep my eye on you. Um, and you know, hope that hope for the best. One of the cops is black too. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you explain that? So I just, with Starbucks itself, what's funny about Starbucks too, is it's so liberal. Yeah. And, and what's funny is I, I, I swear most of the baristas probably pride themselves on being very, you know, very uh, progressive. You know, and uh, remember a couple of years ago, was it a couple of years ago they had that, what, what was it called? R- race to the future. It was a, um, it was a slogan they had where they wanted to talk about race at Starbucks. Did you hear about this? No. I okay. just remember the coffee cup thing. It did. was like two years, year and a half to two years ago where it was, God, what was it? It was a, uh, not race to the future, but it was something along those lines where they, where they wanted you to come up in Starbucks and then um, talk about race. Because I think Eric Holder at that point had said that Americans are cowards. Oh, they don't yeah, want to talk I about, they don't want to talk about race. And then Starbucks CEO kind of said, Oh, this is a good opportunity to get my name in the news or stars, stars in the news. So um, uh, they came up with this little slogan race to the something or other. And it was stupid. And it was like, um, uh, you know, do, do you do you want to walk in and get your coffee, or or do you want to walk in and start having a, a debate about race or a discussion about race at a Starbucks? And everybody, rightly so, was mocking it. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of business you're dealing. You're dealing with a very progressive business. So. Well, it was interesting, you know, talking about the race thing. I was uh, on my, my cab ride from uh, the ho- from the airport to the hotel in Vegas. I was talking to this cab driver who's uh, he's Iranian. And he's he is studying electrical engineering here at school. And he was talking about how he doesn't like the current regime in Iran because you know they're funding all this terrorism and everything. He says, but and I said, but I as I understand, I don't know much about the country, but the younger generation is, and even some of the people of this the older generation are very highly educated. He said, yeah, they absolutely are, but they're not they're not able to stand up against these rabid sort of uh, uh, Islamic uh, zealots. They just can't. The people in power are basically crazy. And so we talked about that stuff for a while, and uh, I told him, I said, one of the things I like about America is it seems to have people from all over. It's not homogeneous like a lot of places in Europe are. And so I'm getting out of the cab, and he goes, it's pretty cool that an Iranian guy and a Midwestern white guy can sit here and talk about this stuff. And I said, "I, I don't... I mean, yes, it's cool, but at the same time, for me, I've just, it's always been that way. And we had just a really good discussion. I just thought, I thought that was interesting that he found that to be cool because to me, it seems like that's what Murphy's That's how it should be. be. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what it's supposed to be about. Not just people shouting each other down. Well, I look it up. It's called, the, it was Starbucks Race Together Campaign. So uh, it was uh, 2015, the Starbucks launched uh, one of its broadest initiatives ever race together the campaign which aimed to spark a national conversation about race relations by having baristas write the phrase race together on starbucks cups it was a huge failure <laughs> can you imagine you're sitting there and some guy goes up and and gets his coffee and the debris it's race together in the cup and all of a sudden the guy's like let me talk to you about racial relations and the guy behind him's like man i ain't trying to hear all that <laughs> yeah I just want a coffee that tastes like burnt liquid feces. <laughs> uh, doesn't it all? It's pretty bad. Starbucks coffee is pretty bad. I just can't say. That's why they put so much, so much shit in it. Yeah. I like black coffee, and uh, I can't handle Starbucks coffee. It's it's bad. Well, whenever they do those uh, national taste tests, don't doesn't Starbucks score really low? And one yeah, of, one of the top ones is always like McDonald's coffee. Yeah. Well, it's it's sour and it's burnt. It's just bad. So. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell good coffee if 
yeah, I, I don't like coffee. It's not for me. But I just, I think it's stupid that everybody rushes to judgment in this case of the Starbucks thing. And they said, there, there we go. That's your racism right there. And I think, you know what? Maybe it is. If these guys went and just sat down and all of a sudden, every, you know, the management came up and said, well, you two Negroes, you can't be in here. You know, I mean, that kind <laughs> we of We don't thing. like your kind here. <laughs> yeah, we don't have your kind. No. Like you said, I mean, it's a very progressive company. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who work there are probably very progressive. And where was where was this? What Where was the Starbucks? That That's at? a good question. I can't remember what which city that was. I mean, it's most, I mean, there are 47 of them in Seattle, so it's most likely someplace like that. But I, I will bet you that the town it happened in, though it was... I think they said it's it's fairly white. The city it happened. I'll bet you it's a fairly progressive city. Yeah. So a progressive company, probably with progressive employees in a progressive city, my guess, just decided they didn't like the Negroes there and they threw them out. There. Can we wait forty eight hours and find out the details behind this? Yeah. So. Well, they go. Well, it comes down. You know, did you hear about Eric Holder's um, getting involved in this now? In this whole deal with Starbucks, no, um, he's I going can't stand to him. he's going to help Starbucks uh, with training sessions on racial bias. So um, they're going to shut down all their stores, um, close all of its eight thousand stores for an afternoon for a company wide training session on racial bias. Um, and Eric Holder, former Attorney General Eric Holder under Obama, he's he's helped develop the training materials for this. He, you know, I regardless of what you. Have, think about President Obama and people like Eric Holder, I think they wound up being some of the most divisive people in government since since the 1950s. I think I think race race relations have suffered tremendously from from people like Eric Holder and Obama who who should have been very um I mean it should have been a, a it should have been unifiers. Yeah, a situation where race relations should have been way better instead of way worse. But they both would always say we need to have a conversation about race, and their conversation was sit down, shut up, let me tell you how it's supposed and to. Let be. me it's tell you, let me tell you how uh, white people are racist. Exactly. That's that's their conversation on race. That's all it is. Yeah. And how and then how how are we going to fix that? Well, we're gonna we're gonna put you in little edu- re-education camps, and we're gonna we're gonna make sure that uh, that you're. Well, we're going to turn you into socialists, and then that'll probably fix you. And then maybe move on to communism, and then there'll be no racism. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mentioned that uh, Sam Harris, Jonathan Haidt video. One of the things, it was pre-election 2018, or two, 2017, whatever it was. Our last presidential election. And uh, um, they were basically talking about how you know, there's all this divisiveness and everything, and it's amped up, and they couldn't believe that Trump is the nominee, but they also couldn't believe that Clinton was, and they both, though liberal, couldn't really stand her, but they just, they couldn't bring themselves to vote for him, even though they couldn't stand her, so they were still going to vote for her anyway. And basically in this video, they were saying, well, yeah, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion she's going to win, because they started talking about what was going to happen when, they, when she won. And Jonathan Haidt said, you know, Trump's not going to be good for the country, so it's a good thing he's not going to win. But she's going to be terrible on free speech. She's going to clamp down. This is a guy who was going to vote for her. I was saying she's going to clamp down even more on free speech, and, you know, we're going to have more of these rape culture conversations and everything. And people never saw it coming. I mean, I'm not drawing a, <clears throat> I'm not drawing a connection between the two, but there might be Roseanne's show now coming back. I mean, on the show, they're blatant Trump supporters. And the show has just taken off. Now, I know there's going to be people who say she was she was popular before, so it's people wanting to watch it again. Great. That last two, maybe three weeks, that show is wildly popular. And I think it's because these SJWs on the left are so loud and scream so much that there's just a silent bunch of conservatives that just go, I'm just not going to get into this. You know, when it comes time to watch my TV or go to the polls and vote. I'm just going to vote. And if someone asks me, am I going to vote for Trump? They go, probably not. You know, and then they go do it anyway. So, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. How do you fix it? How do you fix the race, race relations? I think everybody needs to stop feeling like there's some special class. You know, if, if you go into a Starbucks and you're black or Muslim or a woman, and you get shitty service, the idea that it's because the white guy behind the counter 
didn't like blacks or Muslims or women. Well, it's because all white people don't like blacks. It's a, it's a, uh, what is it? Unconscious bias that we all have. So, so they're, you know, let me get this straight. So your experience as a black man, you're perceiving like endless, um, relentless racism everywhere that's perpetuated by whites and, uh, it's happening your whole life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're telling me that that experience is more valid than a white guy who has had lifelong experience of negative interaction with whatever, pick your minority, uh, Muslims, Mm -hmm. women, blacks. So, but he, but his experience, his life experience is not valid, but your experience saying that every white person is a secret racist, that's valid. Fuck you. Take, take two examples. I think I I might've mentioned this before, but a friend of mine had a dad who went to high school in, I think it was Racine, Wisconsin, kind of rough area back in the sixties. And you did not go to the bathroom during school as a white kid because there were some blackheads who hung out in the bathroom and they beat you up and they took your money. It happened all the time. You just didn't go. He said his, I think it was his dad. He said his dad was always going to distrust black people because of that. Now on the left, they'll say, well, you can't do that. You can't judge a whole race by a few people there. I agree with you. But if you turn that around, if you said, Hey, this black person, whenever they went in there, the white kids beat them up. So yeah, understand it. And people would go, yep. Well, that's a system of the inherent racism of white people. Yeah, but it's fucking that's, bullshit. It is. And and, and every an- rational person knows that. It's but, anecdotal. But the, but, the, but the leftist, progressive, you know, um, Marxist crowd, I mean, that's their go-to. That's, you know, institutional, you know, institutional misogyny, institutional racism. It's part of the structure of the country. And whether or not you know it, you have that in you as a white person or as a male or whatever. And so they create this whole victim class that can never stop being victims. Yeah. And and there's money to be made in that too. Well, Tocqueville had, I can't remember what book it was. He had a, the French philosopher had a thing about, uh, he was amazed by the United States when he came here 1800s, mid 1800s. And he was, he basically said, he may be getting some of those dates wrong, but he basically said that the undoing of America and democracy over here would be if people start seeing themselves as individual classes instead of a large, for lack of a better term, melting pot. And that's exactly what we're getting. We're getting this offense Olympics things. You know, people say, we joked about it before. You know, if you're, if you're gay, well, that's one thing. Well, if you're a gay black man, oh, well, if you're a gay black trans man, you know, I mean, it, everybody is one-upping each other on this yeah. stuff. And it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, you'd think they'd start eating their own. They're they're starting to. I mean, their thing... Well, I mean, this whole situation at Starbucks, it's kind of like a situation, like I said, where Starbucks is very progressive, very liberal. All the baristas that I've ever met, you know, you can tell they're... they're uh, yeah, know, because of how they smell. Well, you know, either they're... Yeah, patru- patchouli oil, a lot of that. No, they smell like coffee. Okay. But but they're progressive, and, and they're supposed to be the, the least racist, and they, they started this initiative, the, the race together, you know, thing, because they're so, you know, enlightened, and they're so woke. They can't, but because but, they're, but they're white. But as, 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 as soon as you ask a person to leave that's not um, not conducting business, um, but, oh, it just so happens they're black, well, that's because you're racist. Well, God, you know what? You get what you deserve. Well, I mean... There, there's one more example as I can think of. You brought it up. I would be interested to know, and we obviously can't go there, but I'd love to hear what Martin Luther King would have thought of where we are now. And uh, there was that example in Uptown, Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, where um, they didn't want the police to come to uh, city council meetings uh, dressed as police because they thought it was... Uh, they thought it was aggressive, but they said basically the police are... Oh, was it intimidating and aggressive? Yeah. The police are um, there to protect uh, rich white people. Yeah, white interests. Yeah, but it was... it This this one woman who was white went on to say that the police were created to protect, like, the rich plantation mentality. Uh-huh. It, it's just so stupid. It's historically inaccurate. She's... She's a dumb son of a bitch is what she is. But they didn't they didn't want the cops there. She said because the police officer coming in, anytime you bring a gun in, into a room, it escalates the situation. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It does exactly the opposite. Mm. When the police show up, if you've got any sense at all, you're like, 
All right, let's just let this calm down a second. And that's what the police try and do when they show. Yes, they're bad cops. I get it. There's not 50% bad cops. You know, maybe 10. Maybe. And it depends on your area. But you brought up this idea of, hey, if they want it that way, let's do this. Let's just let's take the white cops out of the black neighborhoods. You know, well, if that's what they want, number let's, one, let's you're not going to see what happens. Number one, first thing that'll happen is you're not going to have enough police. Well, and the reason you brought you brought this up after the Michael Brown thing in Ferguson yeah. a couple years ago, that police department, I think the numbers are they had like high fifties for cops, like 57, 58, 60 cops, two or three of which were black. Let's just if we had fifty seven black cops and three white ones, would that have changed the tone of that stuff? Would it really? I don't think it would have. You know? It's, it's stupid. And what are you going to do when you take the police out of a out of a neighborhood like that? But this idea that this over-educated idiot in Uptown can say, well, the police are bad, and we just... They, she actually wanted to cut down on the number of police they have. They wanted to have fewer police... They didn't want a lot of them uniformed, and they didn't want them coming to city council meetings because it just, yeah, it didn't a, set the A right lot time. of that coming from someone like her is what they call virtue signaling. So they want to have their voice heard that they're, that they're taking the side of the minority. And, you know, look at me. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a paragon of virtue here. And look what I'm, I'm on your side and I'm, I'm going against my own interests as a, as a white person here. So it's, it's called virtue signaling and it makes them feel really good about themselves. Yeah, but you know what's funny is some of the hardcore, like Black Lives Matter people will say, "Hey, get off my side! You're white." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then so, they're they're stuck. Yeah. This isn't a space for you. Go go sit in the back. Yeah. And keep your mouth shut. When they've had their die-ins, there have been times they've told white people not to show up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "You're white. You can't." Just like, really, we can't. Nobody can support anybody else's cause anymore. No. No one can help anybody else. Oh well. You know what? I'm pissed off. I'm disgusted. I want to be done. <laughs> so. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add? Um, no, I think I think we're good. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, I know I've done this uh, wrong before, so let me get this piece of paper so I don't say this wrong. <laughs> because pe- if you're trying to get a hold of us and I give you the wrong um, email address, it ain't going to work. So if you want to contact us, it's rooster. This is email, by the way. Rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And if you're listening and you think we're uh, great, tell your friends. And if you're listening and, we think you, and you think we suck, tell your friends. So, and uh, if you have anything you want us to talk about or, or any uh, critiques, and uh, you know, um, just send it in, uh, email us, and we'll and we'll uh, we'll consider at the very least before we uh, d- uh, dismiss it outright. Yeah, next time we'll talk about uh, uh, Crow's uh, lip smacking ASMR channel. So, no, we won't. We'll just do. Do that the whole time? <laughs> you you have a decent Bob Ross voice. You know, you can get away with doing that, you know? Okay. We're done here? Yeah. See ya, bye. <laughs>